Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Deepest Radio Episode 18, voice actor Kathy Garver. Hey, welcome back to Deep Dish Radio. I'm Tim Powers, and this is my show. How you doing? I am really glad that you have come back. Uh, I'd like to say thank you and welcome to all my new listeners in the United Kingdom. Thank you very much to the motherland. Uh, those of you who joined me as a result of listening to uh, to Ian Lee. Fantastic interview, and Ian is uh, just charming as hell. What can I say? Um, greetings from across the pond, and we're glad to have you. We hope you stick around, and I love hearing from you on Twitter. Uh, we'll get to how you can join the show in just a little while. Wow, fantastic. I, you know, not that long ago, one of my guests was uh, talented actor Johnny Whitaker. Johnny was a, was a child star. on. Uh, he, he was in the Tom Sawyer movie. He was in uh, a movie called The Biscuit Eaters, which just played here in Los Angeles uh, today, as a matter of fact. And uh, was on uh, a Saturday morning show called Sigmund and the Sea Monsters in 75. And he just, just a swell guy. Well, if you remember Family Affair, you remember uh, you remember Jody, and you remember Johnny Whitaker. Well, I am pleased to say that today's guest uh, played his sister, played Johnny's sister. Yep, it's Kathy Garver who played Sissy on Family Affair. And whew, she was one of those uh, those 60s heartthrobs, man. She was, she was a pretty young girl. And uh, she was about 20 years old when she got the role in 1966. She was a UCLA undergrad. And she was on Family Affair from 66 to 71. And uh, lives on today in secondary runs, reruns all over the world. It's an incredibly popular show. And Kathy and I talk a little bit about that. But, dude, more importantly, in the 80s, on Saturday morning, she was Firestar on Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. She's got an amazing career in uh, in voiceover, and she talks a little bit about that, which is fantastic. She actually, for I don't know why, but she complimented my voice, so I love her. She's awesome. She's also got a couple of new books coming out. One is called Ex-Child Stars, Where Are They Now?, which kind of gives the lowdown on, of course, former child stars. So your Johnny Whitakers and your Kathy Garvers and... Your Sparky Marcuses and your various and sundry Mouseketeers, things like that. And uh, it's a fascinating read. And, uh, you know, the, the child star trope is out there for a reason. There's a, there's a lot of stories behind the rise and fall and sometimes the rise and polite walk away <laughs> from fame that some of these kids did. And those stories are, are interesting to a lot of folks. So 
We encourage you to pick up Kathy's book. It's available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. And then uh, her, her memoirs are published in a book called Surviving Sissy. That's C-I-S-S-Y. Surviving Sissy is available at Amazon.com, and you'll want to check that out because it's a fun read, and there's a lot of great stuff in there, a lot, of great, uh, a lot of great showbiz stories. And if you're interested especially in what happened on the set at Family Affair and how uh, those actors survived some pretty harsh times after the show went off the air. Well, it's interesting, and it's all in that book, Surviving Sissy. So Kathy Garver joins me in just a little while. So if you like what you hear, I'd love uh, I'd love to see some feedback on iTunes. Um, go ahead and leave a comment right there. I would love to read comments on the air. If I ever got any, I'd be delighted <laughs> to read them. Uh, the Twitter feed has blown up with those of you in England who are actually all over the United Kingdom, to be fair, who joined me because of my guest Ian Lee, and uh, I am very happy to uh, to uh, to have you join us. That's fantastic. Uh, never been over to the UK, so uh, it makes me feel a little more welcome knowing there are so many people out there who are listening to me. Thanks. What can I say? Uh, if you ever want to come into LA for a cup of tea, let me know. I'll, I'll set you up. And uh, but if you want to follow us on Twitter, at Deep Dish Radio is where you can follow me on Twitter, and I take your emails anytime. At uh, call me Tim. Uh, email me at tim at deepdishradio.com tim at deepdishradio.com I also have a new hotline I have a new phone number and uh, it takes messages and I would love I would love I would love I would love to hear from y'all uh, so if you would consider giving me a call that would be fantastic let me see if I can find where the hell this number is nope 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 oh here it is yep call me on the number uh, it's it's so new I don't have it memorized uh, it's four in the United States. It's four zero one four two six deep. That's four zero one four two six deep three 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 seven. Yeah, you just dial that number, and it's a it's a voicemail number. So you uh, record a little message for me if you have a comment on the show. If you want to tell me to shut up and get back to Kathy Garver, I can do that. Uh, or you can tell me you like what I'm doing, or suggest a guest, or you want to be a guest. Fine, call me. Uh, I'd love to hear your story too. That's uh, that's what this is all about. It's basically just interesting people that I encounter in the course of my life, and they become my guests. So I'd love to have you on the show. So there you go. There's the phone number. There's the email address. There's a Twitter page. I think there's a f- uh, Facebook page out there somewhere that uh, that my lovely wife set up. So if you want to check that out, I'd love it. And uh, there's great things happening all the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for being a part of Deep Dish Radio. I'm really, really grateful. So... Here we go. Kathy Garver coming up right after this. It's Deep Dish Podcast. Subscribe today and tell a friend about Deep Dish Podcast with Tim Powers. With Tim Powers. So the new book, Surviving Sissy, uh, is is coming out very very soon, and uh, I, I, is this uh, is this all new stories or is this a uh, uh, a revision of a previous uh, previous book? Actually, Surviving Sissy, my family affair of life in Hollywood, launched September first. Okay, and 
Um, it was a very popular book, and it sold out. So we are now going into our second printing of the same book. I have a new book coming out April 15th, which is Ex-Child Stars, Where Are They Now? Fantastic. Uh, then yes. let's let's start with Surviving Sissy, and and then we'll get into the uh, the the new book, which is which sounds really exciting. Uh, the stories in Surviving Sissy are are really interesting. You are uh, my my first guest to ever work with Demille, <laughs> so ah. which is fantastic. Can you talk about how you got involved that with uh, with that? Well, I was just originally hired as an extra. It was one of my first jobs as a small child in Hollywood. Right. And he noticed me on this wagon and um, came down and from his perch way up on a crane. I actually thought he was God. <laughs> I was a kid. Who knew? Right. And uh, we talked, and he had special scenes written into the movie with Charlton Heston for me. And I was on that movie for about four months. And this is the Ten Commandments. Right? Yes, and actually I just uh, talked with someone, and we're going to be doing a, uh, a big celebration of the movie. This is the 60th anniversary of the Ten Commandments. Right. And I hate to say that it's the 50th anniversary of Family Affair, odd to me since I'm 39, but <laughs> there you have it. You and, you and Jack Benny, it's, it's amazing how that works. Uh, yes, and I like it though. And to, to most of America, while Sissy was fifteen, you know, you're you're always going to be twenty one to most of us, you know. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I can go along with that. <laughs> kind of figured. Um, so my son just had his quarter century birthday. He is now twenty five. He had that on February twentieth, and he was just going through a quarter life crisis. Oh, I don't know. I'm so old, Mom. I don't know what lies ahead. I said it'll be okay, honey. Just go with it. <laughs> well, where were you, where were you at twenty five, Kathy? I had I was just finishing up doing Family Affair, right? And I was in London, England, um, about that time, going to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. I had graduated from UCLA with a degree in speech and psychology, and then I decided, oh, I haven't suffered enough for my art. So I went to Royal Academy, and uh, that's where I was, about his age, wow. in London, England, by myself. He's in the basement with his girlfriend. Times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there, there are worse places to be than in, in your basement with your girlfriend, but at 25... Okay. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. When mom was in the when mom was uh, footloose and fancy free in uh, in in London, um, how was Family Affair received in in the UK? Were you recognized? Not really. There was really a delay in, especially at that time of American shows getting over to uh, other countries. Right. Um, we became very well-known in Germany and Israel, and especially in 1972, I remember going over to Israel and doing a live musical stage adaptation of Family Affair, um, learning Hebrew for my part and singing. It was very, uh, very spirited. <laughs> wow. Uh, so did you... Did you... Did you learn Hebrew, or and I and I mean this with with all due respect? Did you learn Hebrew, or did you did you learn your lines phonetically? 
phonetically. Okay. I was a speech major. That helped. Yeah. But, uh, yes, that's been, I had no idea what I was saying. That's fantastic. It would be, uh, it would be really interesting to see, uh, uh, Mr. French as, as, uh, uh, speaking in Hebrew. Well, they say that there, you know, we all have doppelgangers or people that look exactly like us. Right. And I must say, uh, when I went there, Mr. French looked like Sebastian Cabot, and, wow. and the Uncle Bill looked like Brian Keith, and the two cute little kids. I played myself, so I really looked like myself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> now that's <laughs> casting, Cabot. Uh, very close. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's that's really great. That's really great because um, I mean, you know, the fifty the fiftieth anniversary of Family Affair. Is is an interesting thing because there are so many great uh, timeless shows that are experiencing their fiftieth anniversary either this year, next year, or the year before. Um, it, yours, Batman, Star Trek, The Monkeys, Dark Shadows—just five right off the top of my head that are iconic that everybody recognizes. Um, and you've probably been asked this a zillion times, but what is it about Family Affair that has kept it alive for fifty years? Well, I think that when the show was originally produced, the very intelligent Don Federson, who was a creator-producer, looked at the longevity of the show and thought that it might be a classic. He had had a lot of experience with My Three Sons, right. which I lasted a long time, and the way that it was filmed. So... You know, here this was in the 60s, and I was all set to wear mini skirts and, and plastic boots. And Mr. Federson said, well, no. And so the look remained classic. Uh -huh. And the, the look of the clothes, the look of the settings, you uh, watch that show today. It's on MeTV, and, of course, it's on uh, DVDs, etc. Right. But it's like walking into something that is in the 2000s, because... A, of the interior decor, the clothing, the stories are incredibly timeless. The structure is very classic. You start out with a problem, you work towards the problem, there's the climax and the sliding off or the denouement. It's all about love, right. which is timeless. So um, I think all those things added to its classicism, as well as it was filmed instead of on tape. And that soft edge made it so beautiful that it became, you know, like a part of everyone's dream. And it's still uh, there today. Wow. And, I mean, it's just as colorful as ever. Um, and and I, I suppose you're right. The, the soft edge of the film really lends uh, a beauty to it that some of the some of the shows that were shot on early video, you know, they, they seem kind of sharp. They seem kind of harsh. The colors are kind of loud. Um, and it's interesting because, um, you know, in 65 and 66, the concept of residuals wasn't as prevalent as it is now. That's kind of prescient of, uh, or prescient of, of Fetterman to really think about that. Um, and I would imagine it helps more for the, for the producers than, than the, than the actors. Well, for sure. And for the color, um, 1966 was the first year that uh, ABC, CBS, NBC were showing 
full seasons of shows in color. Right. And ours was one of the very first, and that's why we had the big kaleidoscope at the beginning of all the shows, just to remind people, if they hadn't noticed, that this show is in color. <laughs> so the color was wonderful. But, you know, even early video, I think today's video is an HD. I absolutely abhor from an actor's standpoint. It is so crisp and clear that it shows every single blemish. But you know something? That isn't even real in life. Maybe it's because I don't have my glasses on. But people don't see that clearly at on, on looking at a landscape or looking at a, a person that's even at the, at the uh, next table. So that, I think, skews even the vision of something or the experience of something into more clarity or reality than perhaps we were meant to go. That's an int- I just made that up. That sounded pretty good. That sounds great. <laughs> that, and actually, it got me thinking that, you know, a lot of the timeless films, which are, which are beautifully shot, you know, your Ten Commandments, for example, or, you know, I'm in Southern California, and on, uh, on Valentine's Day, my lovely bride took me to see uh, King Kong, the original King Kong, right, from 1933. Not a high-def uh, high movie, right? But, time, right? but timeless and has been enjoyed for literally for generations, you know? Um, and some of the fun is the, um, the, the, the low resolution or sometimes, you know, the the um the the lack of that of that granularity that clarity you know because you're paying attention yes, to the and story it, and especially for something like a, a king kong which is kind of in the fantasy realm right it's nice to have it kind of shaded with that that thought of said as you are in a dream um Sometimes family affair is criticized and sometimes lauded for being, well, this wasn't reality. You know, those people, you know, those kids were so nice to each other and there was so much love that abounded. Well, that could be either taken like, oh, I'd like my family to be like that. And that is what I have experienced on book tours yeah. uh, across the nation, doing book signings with Surviving Sissy and my family affair of, of the life in Hollywood and people had would come up to me, and, you know, I had tearful people, and they said, you know, I, I had such uh, a difficult childhood, and I was abused, and I would turn on to that television show, and it was the one place that I could escape. There was one place where I could get some solace or comfort, and so maybe it was a fantasy, but it was something to aim for, and really the emotion and the affection not only between the the real actors, but those characters was quite real. Yeah, it, it seemed um, there was um, a, a tangible heart among among the cast. That granted, every single one of you um, was was an actor worthy of of your chops. But underneath that, the the resonance um, between all of you, be, between the core cast was was tangible and i think it just it transcended uh acting you know you can it was very real very I, tangible. I, yes i agree with you and when they tried to remake it they did not have that transcendence and then they had actors that were kind of overdoing it not really even liking each other and that comes through it, it really does because in my own estimation and acting is an amalgam of who a person is along with the character 
if you try and do an intellectual rendering of a character, it's not even going to, in your wonderful word, resonate. It isn't going to come, it's not going to be real, and your audiences aren't going to feel it. You, you can, in my estimation, you can't be anybody other than who you are. So if you're playing a, a, a queen or a king or a rapist or a, you know, violent person, you have to pick out some aspects of yourself that will make that character true and relatable. And then just haven't you thought about killing them. somebody that you know comes right in front of you, especially in Southern California traffic, <laughs> which is in and out? I'm going to kill that guy. What's well, wrong with him? Well, we're on tape, so you I'm know, not going to admit anything. Those emotions you got to bring to someone who will carry through with it. That's true, and you know it, it brings an interesting point. Uh, Sissy was pretty iconic and very sweet, and you know she acted like a like a typical 15 year old. Um, but, you know, were you called upon after creating such an iconic role? Were you called upon to play against Sissy and play, you know, evil or vile or uh, or mean on camera? Um, well, you know, Sissy was kind of an amalgam of, of my personality and that character. And the book, Surviving Sissy, you know, how are you going to overcome this sweet, nice wholesome right. uh, person. Uh, that's one of the reasons I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and I said, oh, okay, this is the way we do Shakespeare, and this is the way I'm going to play Juliet. You get back to Hub, and there's really a lot of call for Shakespeare. And I look back now on my career. I just got a Life Achievement Award, and my wonderful son, who says, you got a Life Achievement Award, Mom? You're not dead yet. I said, thank you, honey. I'm not dead. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it's okay. I got a lot of living to do. Uh, we'll let you out of the basement sometime. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you got what used to be the the Rooney Award, right? The Mickey Rooney Award. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh huh. And that was from the Sunny California Motion Picture Council. Wow. Right. The the Golden Halo. Um, yes, Mickey was. I loved Mickey. Uh, so I look back on what I have done, and I've like never done an X-rated movie, or you know something. Nor have I wanted to. Right. Um, I've really, in my estimation, done really quality movies and films and stage plays. My my uh, voiceover work. I've won like four Audis for audi audio books. Right. And I've done like five animated series, and they were all not you know that grown-ups could watch, and they're not all, you know, for, for kids, but more family-oriented and things that were, you know, done with quality, with great scripts. So I'm happy about that. So, it, I mean, I am certainly not as sweet as Sissy, um, and my family will tell you that. But um, it's, uh, and, and even if I never overcame it, I mean, I, I think it is wrong to disparage uh, what you have created unless it's really awful and hurtful and and it's a, a porn thing that you were embarrassed about doing sure. you know when you were in your 20s or something but um well that's, that's what i that's what i think and i'm <laughs> i'm proud of it good for you i mean the, in it please understand that in no way am i disparaging uh sissy or or what you've done ever it just as an actor 
one is called upon to play against type on occasion and i really all i was all i was looking for was if you ever were called upon to play against type and in the royal academy i'm sh- i'm certain you were because shakespeare didn't write a lot of uh, you know sweet 15 year olds <laughs> that's true okay or 20 year olds or 30 year olds or right. 40 year olds cuz i've gotten i've gone through all those decades there you um, go. i yeah i um when you're on camera you it's it's difficult because I have this like baby face and it's it's a sweet looking face. That's why I love animation and I love audio, doing audiobooks because then I can really play against type. Who is <laughs> a very evil creature in uh, in this anime JoJo's Bizarre Adventures? Right. And I and I played witches and this and that and that is I, and I love doing things like that. I I'd, I wouldn't be believable. I mean, you'd have to put me under so many layers of makeup right. to transform, which you know is, and that's kind of fun to do. Um, but uh, so far, I mean, I because I have my tentacles out to all the different uh, areas of entertainment. So, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On, on stage and in radio and in TV and film and, and authorship and producing. So that's a really long-winded answer to I've really not played against type. Now I'm playing Sweet Grandmas. Wow. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so um, for the leading ladies, um, that was uh, actually during my, my children's entertainment uh, phase of my life when I had my own child and I was doing a lot of uh, kids stuff. Um, I was creating uh, tapes of Beatrix Potter and Mother Goose and I was a vice president of edutainment for kids where we created toys and I cast the voices for them and did a lot of voices myself. Sure. So during my leading lady period was when I was a mom primarily and doing that type of thing. And you got the, it sounds I'm, I'm hearing something in your voice, which is always good for a voice actress, um, that there's there's really a, a sense of pride and accomplishment in um, in that that period of your life. Oh yes, somebody asked me what is what is the best thing that you have ever done in your life? What is what is what is? I know it was an interview I was doing. They said, "What role that is it that made you most proud?" And I said. Well, the role of a, a true mom, my son, is my proudest accomplishment. I love my son, and I loved being a mom. 
And uh, I still love being a mom. If I could ever get him and his girlfriend out of the basement. And, no, that's that's really setting dress. But I mean, there's a two bedroom, two bath that basement, and they have a private entrance. Uh, yeah, and believe me, coming from a, a guy who was 25 and living in his in law's basement, which is a long story and uh, not interesting to my audience for sure. But I, there are worse places to be than a two bedroom, two bath uh, mother in law walkout. Believe me. Um, <laughs> The uh, the voiceover transition and the the audio book work that you do, and of course, my my I have two favorite uh, Kathy Garver um, uh, voice roles: Firestar, of course, and Miss America that we talked about before we started recording. Um, that's an interesting transition that a lot of folks uh, who are established stage actors get into. How did it happen for you? How did you get behind a microphone? Well, I had a commercial agent, Don Schwartz, in Los Angeles, and he did all my on-camera. And one time he called me on an interview to go do a voiceover. I said, what's a voiceover? Never heard of this. And he says, oh, they need somebody to do something for Starkist Tuna. I said, okay. <laughs> so I went, and I'm talking to this producer, and he said, okay, now all you have to say is, I like Starfish Tuna. I said, okay. I said, I like Starfish Tuna. He says, okay, now do it another way. Another way? You want me to do another way? Okay. I like starfish tuna. No, 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 no. Another voice. A different voice. You mean a different voice than my voice? Yes. Oh. Well, I had never heard that right. asked of me before. Uh, so, <laughs> some ridiculously <laughs> stupid voice like, I love starfish tuna. And he said, Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> wow. I said, oh. So I immediately signed up for voiceover lessons and found that I have, <clears throat> and anyone, well, I teach voiceover now and in San Francisco, and that so many people have all kinds of voices within them. I mean, you could do five just now, the different voice that you have perhaps talking to an animal or when you're in church or a synagogue or right. wherever or at a, a basketball game, already you have like four voices or to the one you love. So those are all different kinds of voices that in it, oh, Coco, come here, Coco. Get him! You know, already. That's part of Firestar. And, and then, you know, the ways that you can talk really young or talk really old or talk like, you know, change your voice in any other way or talk like this. Or, you know, so there are a myriad of voices. But that, is, again, is a long-winded answer to how I, I first started getting into voiceover. The, the long-winded answers are exactly why I called you. This is the show's not about me. It's about you, Kavi. And the more you talk, the better it is. So we're, we're, in, we're in great shape. Um, so with... Uh, Gosh, on, on one hand, I want to talk about Firestar, and I want to talk about that experience. And on the other, you know, it's 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 a it, very respectable line item in a very comprehensive resume. Maybe it's more interesting to talk about what uh, what kind of voice work and things you're you're doing now, and about the the classes that you teach. Well, I am. Uh, I got my audiobook out for Surviving Sissy, My Family Affair of Life in Hollywood, and my new book, Ex-Child Stars, uh, Where Are They Now, comes out April 15th, and I'm going to do an audiobook. I have my own studio at my house. It was in the basement. For some reason, it got transferred up to the garage. Oh, I wonder I don't why. I how that happened. Uh, 
But now my studio is in the garage. I teach at Voice One Studios in San Francisco. I teach speech and diction since I have a degree in speech. And I went back to UCLA to get a master's degree in theater arts as well. So I teach how to develop characters, how to make voices for toys, since I was the vice president of the toy company, and we did that. Wow. I teach how to narrate audiobooks, and uh, I also uh, teach ADR, audio digital replacement, for uh, post-production. So I teach those things, which keeps me busy, as well as I'm producing two new... uh, um, film projects, and I, Diane Nine, who is uh, with Nine Speakers, has set me up on speaking engagements, which goes right along since I majored in speech. And I made two speeches last week: one to the Motion Picture Mothers, that's uh, at the Sportsman's Lodge, you know where that is in Southern California, where right. they give out the awards to, and so uh, Jerry Mather's mom and Tom Selleck's mom. So uh, I talked about the power of perseverance and. Oh, it's important to keep going towards your goal, no matter what obstacles may be in your way. That is, a, that's a lot of stuff. You're, a, you're a busy lady, Kathy. You're a very busy lady. I am. Uh, the two questions. One, uh, you teach in San Francisco. Do you teach remotely? Are you, are you, um, uh, are you teaching Skype classes or anything like that? Are you, uh, you know, can someone take a class uh, remotely, or do they have to be in San Francisco to learn at your feet? So far, they have to be in San Francisco because I haven't had the time to set that up. And I do a wonderful, like, physical exercise warm-up, and they said, do an app, do an app. So when I have time to get around to doing that app, because I'm also hosting a family tree recipe uh, program, and uh, so uh, each show, uh, a recipe is brought to the show, uh, that's been handed down, and then it's uh, paired with a wine. And then I'm hosting <laughs> another uh, show for the, I have a star on the Walk of Stars in Palm Springs. Love Palm Springs. And so we are now I'm going to host uh, doing a profile of each one of the people who have a star on the Walk of Fame. But so far, you, you have to come to San Francisco to, uh, to do the class. All right. We'll be... We'll be... Looking into that. It's a heck of a commute from here, Kathy, but it's it's a very tempting it thing. It is. I want to do, like, have you seen on, like, Facebook, like, James Patterson has those online master classes, how to write, etc. Yes. And Richard Dreyfus has won the master class on acting. Right. And I would like to do that on voiceover. Um, and perhaps I'll do it towards the end of the year. I just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. Understood. Sign me up when it's ready. Um the the new book the the ex child stars book uh, obviously was was a lot of work and something you're intimately familiar with. Tell me a little bit about what we can expect from that book on April fifteenth. I had a co-author on that book, Fred Asher, and the way that it's organized is that we take the fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties television shows, and Fred does the description of the shows, and then I do all the bios um, of the child actors that were in those shows, right. um, what happened to them, and, you know, like I had mentioned, Jerry Mathers and Tony Dow and Frank Bank and in uh, Leave it to Beaver, but we, you know, start out with I Love Lucy and Keith Thibodeau, who played Little Ricky. Right. So it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a compendium 
primarily of all of those child actors, and then a summation at the end of what's happening to the child actors today and what can be done to help them so they unfortunately don't do what my sweet co-star and family affair did, Anissa Jones, um, who died at 18 yeah. from a drug overdose, and Johnny Whitaker and on drugs and alcohol. So why does that happen, and how can that be counteracted? That's really interesting. Is that, I mean, on one hand, you think, well, it's the the common the common perception is that child stars are are um, their adulthood is always a little more difficult than the rest of us. But I think, on on one hand, the the media gives that attention, and on the other, is it really that that more difficult than the rest of us just by virtue of of experience? Am I am I making sense, Kathy? Yes, and actually, I think that you you said the the one word which I think is most descriptive, which is difficult. It it isn't that it's they all have awful lives or they all have fabulous lives. I do think there is more of a difficulty, and I wish I talked to you before. I would have included that because they are exposed at such an early age to such intense competition, and with the spotlight being on them. And when that spotlight fades and they have to go on their own, it is difficult because they say, well, you know, where, where are my people to, you know, do my hair and do my makeup? And you mean I have to pay this bill myself? And what's a bill? And, oh, what's money? You know, so they in many ways uh, don't develop those life skills that are so important to enable one and it's not that they don't become successful adults. It's just that it's more difficult in their lives to to maybe fit in or to find their path or to be as strong as as one would hope an adult is. Wow. Um, and it's it's interesting because you're required to be, and I'm I'm speaking only through what I've read and and the other child ex-child stars that i've interviewed in the past you're expected to be an adult you're expected to be um you know a professional on time hit your mark know your lines um and function like an adult and actually have a job when most kids are just you know playing with hot wheels cars or whatever it might be at that time and uh, i mean does that provide and i guess we're speaking in broad terms does that provide a, a maturity um and an adulthood that might prevent um, the ability to, to interact with non-industry kids? Um, yes. I think it puts one in a different position. Uh, and there is a certain maturity, and there's a certain immaturity. So that combination, the immaturity of not being able to experience the same things growing up and trying to find their identity, you know, one's identity. Right. Um, and that's what I think is is very hard, uh, especially for a tweener, and that was hard for Anissa Jones, who played Buffy. Right. Um, because here she was, she started at eight years old in the show, lasted five years, and here was 13, almost 14, and she's still carrying around a doll and with a little short skirt and, and ponytails. And this isn't who she was. She wanted to be like the friends then that she would go back to school with right. and try and fit in. So her friends were taking drugs. She said, oh, well, this is a way to fit in. I'll take drugs so I can be like them. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was out of a sense of depression. I think it was out of a need to fit in 
to the particular crowd. Um, now, Disney, if they have uh, a kid and, and a child, uh, a tweener that is a star in one of their series, they, first of all, do three years in one, so the, it's the same age that the series is supposed to uh, have that child be, but they also have them go to a psychologist once a week and say, what are your stresses? What are you feeling now? You know, are you angry about something? Because this, the social media is so rampant and they're so critical that, you know, God forbid you get a, you know, a, a blemish on your cheek. Oh, oh, my gosh, did you see her face? She just looks awful. Oh, did you see the color of sweater wow, she wore? Yeah. Wasn't that just horrendous? You know, and for a, a, a tweener who's just trying to get their identity and not feeling the self-esteem or the love, you know, that can, you know, really hurts and helps to destroy that personality. There's a, a story that I've heard. The, the, the foreword to Surviving Sissy is written by Patty Duke, right? And there's a story that she tells about, you know, when she was filming the Patty Duke show, they would bring in uh, teenagers from Burbank High or wherever to teach her how to how to dance and act like a teenager because she had no idea. And, you know, so here she is, 16, 17 years old, feeling kind of like a stranger in a strange land. And that's that seems to be the um, the personification of the story that we're kind of getting to. Um, yes. I, I think so. I mean, I did three or four of the Patty Duke shows with Patty, right. and and she's a friend of mine. And and even when, I mean, I remember on Family Affair, and the extras were all dressed up in a in a certain way, but I was I was pretty aware of what was going on culturally. And I told the producer, I said, "Well, this isn't what the kids would wear. You know, they they would wear the short skirts and and things like that." But Federson, as we had started this conversation to make this a 50th anniversary and to make it endure, right. didn't want it like that. So it was a fantasy. So even when one tried to be you know, part of the crowd, <laughs> that was mixed. Wow. In the, um, in the book about ex-kid stars, they're, they're the stories that, we, that we've talked about, Anissa, with all due respect, and you know your Dana Plato's and things like that, but there are there's the other side of the coin. There's your Kathy Garvers. Can you talk a little bit about some of the kid stars who have have grown up and really really thrived? Absolutely, and there are wonderful stories of Ron Howard and uh, Candace Cameron, right. um, and some who have even fallen off and then come back. And realize, I mean, because teenagers are, are going to rebel and, you know, people will try this and that and the other thing. And then they kind of see the light and said, whoa, this isn't the path I really want to go on. Right. And are able to uh, come back and be on the path. And there are some lovely stories about child actors who have. And some that have not stayed in the business. They say, hey, you know what, this isn't for, for me. And it, it's just sprinkled with the people who became lawyers, lots of lawyers. Uh, child stars became, <laughs> or even in what's the new show? Well, because it is a big act, isn't it? Right. <laughs> right. And, and I say that with all due respect to lawyers. I was going. To, I was accepted at UCLA, my alma mater, to go to their law school, and I said, "No, this isn't for me." But in that present, uh, what's that? The Grinder. Yeah. Uh, this is a yeah. new show. Yes, and um, you have the, the the lawyer and the actor, and so. Anyway, and I think that, I don't know if Fred Savage, but there was, 
one of the other ones that that became a lawyer that was in that kind of ilk and genre. But anyway, yes, there are some nice stories in in that as well. Great, and you know. Uh, Hollywood loves a happy ending, but it's, you know, you, you cut a wide swatch and, and you, you read a lot. There's a great book out now, if, if we might diverge a little bit. There's a great book right now by a, a doctor of communication at, UC, at um, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, about the Little Rascals and about the, the culture that surrounded the, the four black characters and how they grew into adulthood. Um, I, I'll... I'll send Diane the information about the book because um, it might be it might be of interest to you as you and, and an interesting companion to the ex child stars book because they faced a lot of the same things that it seems like you're talking about and some survived and thrived and some did not. Yes, and I've heard about that book and I would like to read it. I I would like to uh, I'd like to see it. Well, and people are always interested in if when you see somebody on TV or a movie, it's like well they're your friends now and you follow. You know their lives, right. and it's just like the people that you go to school with, and then you have the reunion. Oh, what what are you doing now? What happened? And so I think it's just such a natural human type of thing to to wonder, and then to wonder why did one thrive and and one did not. Did you did you discover any common denominators among those who thrived or those who did not? Well, yes. Um, the ones that had family support were the ones that that thrived, and the ones uh, whose family did not use them as their personal bank and take their money to support the rest of the family or to spend it themselves on being a manager, you know, and pay the the mortgage on the house. Right. An eight-year-old should not be paying the mortgage on their parents' home. Right. And... They should be saving the money. That's why Paul Peterson's organization, a minor consideration, has done so much for, uh, in legally, there has to be a percentage of the child star's income that is put away from them because so many of, especially the early uh, child stars, as they get to 18 and they either have nothing or uh, they have just a small percentage. That happened to Johnny Whitaker who had seven brothers and sisters. Wow. Uh, and uh, his mom didn't work. You know, he, she was taking care of him. So that creates bitterness. And um, so it's the, the family, it's the finance, it's the education. Those who went to school, those who went to college, huh, became much more successful than those who did not. Wow. And, of course, those who took drugs, you know, or got onto that path are the ones that had not such uh, happy lives. That's interesting. That's that's going to be a yeah. fascinating book. So what what is the official title of the book, Kathy? It's X Child Stars with a big X. Child Stars, Where Are They Now? And that debuts April 15th. Um, and then my other book um, is Surviving Sissy, My Family Affair of Life in Hollywood. They're both available. Well, well you can take, actually, pre-orders now on X Child Stars. That's at Amazon. Dot com and my website which is kathygarver.com strangely enough <laughs> how about how about that and be looking for Kathy on any number of uh, of projects I'm surprised she's not selling Tupperware too I mean you have a few extra minutes in your day you could do one more thing Kathy come on well actually that reminds me <laughs> you have a line out of sissy silk 
uh, soy candles, French vanilla, and sissy silk room fragrance, and sissy silk lotion. I have a stepson who makes all of these by hand, and they are going to be in the uh, gifting suite for the Oscars. And I'm going to be in the suite, and uh, so yes. I have that. Funny you should mention that. I forgot all about those products. There you go. So where can we get Sissy Silk? Can we can we buy it online? Yes, you can on my website at uh, kathygarter.com and also at cbt, L-C-B-T, candles.com. Fantastic. Kathy, it's been, it's been a pleasure. You and I have shaken hands a couple of times at some uh, like comics conventions or at um, uh, the Hollywood collector shows that happen periodically here in Southern California. You've always been very sweet, and it's nice to see people lined up three or four people deep hovering around your table to get a picture of you and Mrs. Beasley together. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, Thank you. Are you going to WonderCon? I'll be at WonderCon in... Uh next month absolutely i will see you there now you said you're going to be in the gift suite for the oscars does that mean you're going to be in hollywood this weekend yes oh all right well i would offer to buy you a cup of coffee but i know you don't have a couple of minutes (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate that i appreciate the offer (laughs) it is thank you tim (laughs) it is my pleasure um and you know it's this has really been a treat for me thank you very very much I, i wish you a lot of success with the books and uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to let the world know, as much as as much as my audience is the world? Is there anything you'd like them to know about what else they can expect from Kathy Garber? Just keep uh, expecting me to say, keep on going towards your goal. Just keep on keeping on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.